What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Up in Flames. As always, I am your host, Mo Murphy, and I got a legend in the building today. <laughs> it's been quite some time since we last talked. I've been keeping up with everything he's been doing. Now the deputy editor at the Arrowhead Report. So, I mean, this guy, you know, working for Sports Illustrated, this dude is big time now, you know. So when I message him, I'm like, hey, may maybe he'll have some time for me. Covering his favorite team for a living, got to be living the dream. Jordan Foot is in the building. Jordan, what's going on, bro? Man, I'm excited to come back on. Like, it's been literally over a year for sure. Yeah, it's, it's probably been two. Like, it's yeah, been it's long. been a minute. So I'm I'm excited to come back. Always watching from afar, man. But when you reach out, I was like, yes, I, I definitely have to make this work. And we're gonna we're gonna talk some ball, man. There's nothing better. Yeah, 100 percent. And I also the last time I mean, you think about two years ago where I was at and where I'm at now, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm more ready than ever to get with, you know, some of the guys that I haven't got with in a long time. And like, let's really elevate up in flames. But we're going to get into a lot, but we will get get into it right after this. Telling you my problems, meditating my silence. But I keep pushing my pen, rotating my stylus. Brokenness feeling like sin, now no breath, low dollar. Used to be left on red, now all the girls go holler. Now all the girls go follow. All the fake fans gon' pile up. I need peace to borrow, get that shit right back tomorrow. Somehow all the fans go bravo, smile so much to hide my sorrow. Faith is shaky in Verado. I can't hold the frown too long. I can't stay down too long. And once again, we are back. Like I said, we got Jordan Foot in the building. So, Jordan, tell me a little bit about covering Kansas City. Like, you've done a lot over the years, um, really covering the Kansas City Chiefs. But now that's what you do full time. And it'll lead into our first subject anyway. We're going to talk about your Kansas City Chiefs. But what's the journey been like being able to, you know, kind of go through the trenches, covering them part time, doing as much as you could do to get basically to where you're at now, where, hey, your job is to fully focus on covering the Kansas City Chiefs day in and day out yeah no it's it's crazy man uh incredibly lucky like that really going to college during the pandemic being a first generation college student like just all these things that like lined up perfectly getting out of college working a couple corporate jobs for a year like getting that experience i was like that's not for me like i want to i don't want to work in sports half the time or like 30 percent of the time or whatever like i wanted to be fully what i do um kind of grinded the way up there and man, like we were talking before we started coming on, it's a perfect time to cover the Chiefs. Like they will probably never have an era of football like they're having now. Um, it's not the Patriots dynasty, but like, man, it's the closest thing to it that we've had since. Like for them to make it to the AFC Championship five times, win two rings in four years, like that is, it's insane. And they don't really show too many signs of slowing down. I, I do know they lost week one. Um, Chiefs fans were definitely... Pretty pretty wild after that week, and then even on Sunday. But man, it's a it's a wild time in the best of ways. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, this is the greatest time to kickstart a career. Is when basically yeah. everything is allowed to be positive. You don't have to be negative. As I feel like as media, you're not really hated because you know, like nobody's gonna read. Even if you're being honest, like nobody's gonna read your articles or listen to what you have to say and be like, oh, he's kicking their back in because. Mm -hmm everything's on the up and up and they're still 
I don't know about betting odds, but at the end of the day, they're still a Super Bowl favorite. They're sitting here one and one. It's only two weeks through the season. We saw them lose early to the Colts last year. People panicked. I remember, oh, my God, they're in trouble. The, the, the sky is falling. Well, it fell all the way into another Super Bowl, another MVP season for Patrick Mahomes, and another Super Bowl MVP from Patrick Mahomes. He's got two of those, two MVPs. Um, I want to talk about the biggest threat to Kansas City, but I do want to ask, like, okay, covering Kansas City, and I know it's early, but the type – I don't think we've seen a five-year a five-year start like this ever. Like, Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. is having the greatest five-year start ever. Before last season, they were more talking about the possibility of him being Aaron Rodgers, and maybe that's who he passes as opposed to chasing Tom Brady. Now that he has a second Super Bowl, is there a world – is it going to take seven rings? And is there a world where we are witnessing when it's all said and done could be barring any injuries? Obviously we could be witnessing the greatest quarterback of all time play right now. It's possible, man. And like, as somebody who, when Aaron Rodgers came up, like that's probably my favorite player ever. Like just the way he, he's the best, I think thrower of the football there ever was him and Dan Marino, just the natural talent and the things he could do. 12 was a bad man. And like eight, when he comes back, he's still going to be fine. Um, But Mahomes, like, when he has the crazy arm talent, he has the mobility, he has the head coach, he has the tight end, he had the wide receiver when Hill was there. He silenced the people that said he couldn't do it without Hill when he went out and won the Super Bowl throw into, like, Justin Watson and and Kadarius Toney, guys like that, Juju on one knee. So I want to see what he looks like when Reed is gone and Kelsey's gone and, like, see if he can evolve that way. I think he can. Um, but the the mix of accomplishments and the eye test, Rodgers just didn't have the accomplishments, right? Like he's had the MVPs, but the team's success, he got that one Super Bowl and then never even got back to one, like to win another Super Bowl. So Mahomes is already ahead of him there. I think it takes probably – Mahomes is in what, year, year six, year seven now uh, total. I think year six. If he finishes with four rings, two more the rest of his career – it's definitely a conversation. And like, really it was a conversation with Rogers and Brady, depending on who you asked. I had a few years where I was like, you know what? Like this guy might be better than the guy who won X amount of rings. If Mahomes gets to five, I think he probably would be the goat. Like he's on the trajectory now, where as long as he finishes out his career and plays till he's 35, 36, 37, he should be looked at as a top two quarterback ever. Almost everybody has him in their top 10 already which is insane because he just turned 28 yeah um, but yeah I, I think it is possible and I'm not sure it takes all seven in order for him to do that yeah and I do agree with that I don't think it takes seven it's it's not the Jordan LeBron argument but I no. just don't think if if you're as good as a guy like Patrick Mahomes I think his comparison to me is Steph outside of the fact like he's got the Super Bowl MVPs where we were begging for Steph to get the finals MVP. We know he was robbed mm-hmm. of one, but he finally got it, and that kind of put a stamp on Steph's greatness. But when I watch Mahomes, it's like watching – it's like turning on the Golden State Warriors at 10 o'clock at night. Every time I think I've seen it all from this guy, I haven't. Like, it, yeah. it's just like Steph. You think there's no more incredible way that he could shoot threes and surprise you from shooting from the parking lot. It's the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. One no look looks better than the last one. Everything he Mm -hmm. does, the way he's being mobile with his legs this year, and he's always been able to run. Um, He's not Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen. He's not that deadly, but this guy knows how to move and get to his spots. So when he goes to run out of that pocket, he's not looking to get 30, 40 yards. 
He's looking at that first down. He knows his spot he wants to get to, and he's quick enough to beat you to that spot. And that's what I really love about Patrick Mahomes now is the way he's extending plays and getting across the line of scrimmage and able to get 10 yards here, eight yards here and slide, not mm-hmm. risk my body. And he will every once in a while. I do want to talk about, though, they're one and one. There's a couple teams in the AFC undefeated. Obviously, the Miami Dolphins are looking like world beaters through two weeks, but it's only two weeks in the season. A lot can happen. So my thing is covering Kansas City, like when you're watching football, who is it that you're looking at in the AFC and like that's the biggest threat to Kansas City right now? It's it's tough. I have tiers. I have three different tiers of, of teams that I think. And the top tier top team, this might be a hot take because they're 0-2. I still think it's the Bengals, man. Like if Joe Burrow gets healthy and they recover in time, even if they sneak in as a wild card team, They've had success against the Chiefs. They've had it in the regular season. They've had it in the playoffs. They've had it at Arrowhead Stadium on the road. Like, they're not scared of the Chiefs. They have a really good defense. They have T. Higgins. They have Jamar Chase. They have Joe Mixon. They have Joe Burrow. They got Orlando Brown from the Chiefs in the offseason. Like, they're not necessarily the best coach team. I don't think Zach Taylor is very good at what he does personally. But, man, if any team can go toe-to-toe with them, They've already shown they can. Now the problem is, like, if Burrow, that calf lingers a little bit and they get 0-3, 1-4, something like that, can they recover? I don't know. But if they get there, it's them. Now the flip side, the number two team, I think it's still Buffalo. And, like, they are very – Buffalo's weird, right? Because Josh Allen has a crazy bad game and then is the MVP for five weeks. Or the defense is really bad, then it's the tops in the league for a month. Like, I don't know – what version of them we're going to get, but um, that's my top tier. Those two teams probably in that order would be uh, the biggest threats for me, I think. Uh, I don't disagree, especially from the point you've seen Buffalo go toe-to-toe in the playoffs. Now, granted, the one of the most amazing, what, 13 seconds mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we've yeah. ever seen from an offense um, to be able to win that game, which was what Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes all were involved in winning that game mm-hmm. and that was just goes to show, I mean, what, those are three of the best players, probably the three best players at their position. Essentially, I guess you could argue Tyreek Hill with Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my biggest threat, though, is Miami. I think I'm here for it. Healthy, I, I, their defense is pretty good. Now, I know they gave up a lot of points against the Chargers. Hey, that's going to happen, I think, when these top teams play against each other. As good as all their defenses are, and I've been actually pretty impressed with Kansas City's defense, one mm-hmm. game without Chris Jones and then another game against an offense that could explode against the Jaguars. They held them to nine points, held Trevor Lawrence, I think, as a top 10 quarterback in check. They got weapons with Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. And um, Kansas City looked really good. Chris Jones looked really good. The guy that stands out to me for that defense, though, is the second-year corner, McDuffie. Like, mm-hmm. I like yeah. him out of Washington. I think he's really good. I think he's flying under the radar because at corner, you got the Trayvon Diggs and Sauce Garner. Everybody, that's to talk about. And then when you talk about Kansas City, you talk about offensively and you talk about Andy Reid and number 15 and number 87. But I think it's the Miami Dolphins. I think we know how good they are if Tua stays healthy. I know it's through two weeks, but they, they got the best offensive football right now. They got the best weapon in football right now in Tyreek Hill. They have the mini version of him on the other side in Jalen Waddle. They're able to run the ball. Mike McDaniels is a hell of a coach. Um, yeah. He doesn't try and do too much is what he's more of a, I'm going to take what the defense gives me because I got the speed of Miami is what's crazy. I got Raheem Mostert coming out the backfield. 
I got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I could take what you give me, put the ball in my playmaker's hands, and let them make plays. And so I think as long as Tua can stay healthy, and that's going to be a conversation. The later we get into the season, we're going to start to expect at some point Tua will get hurt. That's just because that's what his career has told us so far. But I think if they're able to go in pretty healthy and they're in the playoffs and they win the NFC, I mean, AFC East, I, I it just, I, I feel like it'd be very tough. I feel like Tyreek Hill will be very motive, motivated to play against the Kansas City Chiefs, even though it doesn't seem like it's not a bad blood thing. Like, it doesn't sure. seem like Tyreek Hill hates Kansas City. It just mm-hmm. would be like, now that I'm not on the team, I would love to beat y'all. Like, I've won with y'all, now I want to win without y'all, but it's no bad blood. I think it would be a lot of, you know, center field meetings and it'd be a lot of love between Tyreek Hill. Uh, he didn't let the business get away, get in front of the friendship, at least of what I've seen and what I've heard him say out his own mouth. He don't hate. He got nothing but respect for everybody over there in Kansas City, including the front office. But I, it's just it's it's it could be overreacting. But I mean, I've had in my power rankings the past two weeks, I've had Miami as the best team in football. I respect that. Part of it no, is trying not to be biased. With my Cowboys, who look <laughs> amazing, so I'm gonna let it ride. I'm gonna let San Francisco gonna be the best team in the NFC until we prove we could beat them in the playoffs, and maybe yep. things change on October 8th when we play them. But as far as the AFC, I think it's number one is really Kansas City. When it comes to the playoffs, I'm like they're still the team to beat until somebody knocks them off. They're the reigning champs. They deserve to get that nod, and they're probably gonna sit there at the end of the season at 13 and four, 14 and three anyway, mm-hmm. where. Why do you not think they're the best team in football? But I think it's Miami. Like Miami is the team that has my eye mm. right now. I like it, man. So at tier two, they're at the top of mind. So like they're close. If they can do this for another month, I might be bought in as like, cause like they're also getting Jalen Ramsey back <laughs> later in the year. Yeah, and I, people hate here. on him. He's still a top five quarterback. I think And if he's not top five, he's top 10. Like he is still a really good player. They're getting him back then probably, Jacksonville number four in Baltimore like I want Baltimore to be really good I want Lamar to go off in the playoffs I want them to go to the AFC championship they just have to actually do it before I believe it at this point with them and then I guess the Chargers number six slash the rest of the AFC like I'm not worried about anybody else after that uh, number five spot I don't think yeah and even just touching on Baltimore where like I think if healthy they could be arguably the best team in the AFC. Their biggest problem is we're not even talking about an injury to one player. Like, we're not like, yeah. it's not a cool situation where it's like, well, if Lamar can stay healthy, it's the fact if their team can stay healthy, they've already played a game missing all those defensive players. J.K. Dobbins is out for the year. Odell Beckham already has an ankle yep. injury. Like, Rashad Bateman still doesn't look 100%. He hasn't looked 100% since he's came into the NFL. Like, theirs is team injuries, and it's, their corners, their secondary, their defense, like they're banged up at every point during the season. And so I don't even know if we'll ever get like, hey, this is what with all our key players that could take us to the yeah. promised land, they're finally healthy. I mean, with Odell with an ankle injury already, like that's cause for concern. You lose your starting running back, cause for concern, even though I think they're a running back by committee kind of team anyway. So mm-hmm. they'll be okay with Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, but you're kind of waiting for that late season Lamar Jackson sprained ankle or you know twisted knee or something that has came for the past couple of years so that's my concern about the Ravens because I think they actually probably if I knew they were going to be fully healthy I would say they're probably the biggest threat just because on paper that team is absolutely amazing especially with the emergence of like Zay Flowers looks like a dude I don't usually yeah. trust rookies to get the job done but when you look the way he looked the first two weeks like that guy's a guy he's got weapons Mark Andrews 
another guy who's banged up right now. Like we, we're not even in week three of the season. We're talking about most of their key players are hurt and banged up and guys that we thought were going to contribute to the Baltimore Ravens being able to get the job done. So keeping it in the AFC, I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns. And yeah. the reason why is because this team is another team on paper. They have everything you could ask for. Now, granted, they just lost their biggest piece offensively. Nick Chubb is out for the season. Uh, I feel bad for him because I felt like he was going to have a big year again like he always has. He's the catalyst to that offense. You know, he is the type of guy you could just hand him the ball and he will carry the team to a victory especially with as good as that defense is. But this team on paper, in all offseason, we're like, if Deshaun Watson can return to MVP form like he looked the last we saw him with the Houston Texans, Cleveland could be damn good. The problem is Deshaun Watson is not good. Like, mm-hmm. he's not a top – he's not nowhere near top 10, which is something we thought could be possible. He's probably not top 15, and there's certain guys – one guy they got rid of four – is playing better football than him right now. Baker Mayfield, through the first two weeks of the season, is a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. What is are they going to regret this trade for Deshaun Watson? Like, it, it has, has it come down to it's fair to start having that conversation that it's very possible that they're going to regret paying him all this money, giving up the draft capital, and basically turning their back on Baker Mayfield for a guy who, ever since he stepped on the field from last year all the way now, is not better than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, 100%. And, like, it's unfortunate. I, I was a big, big, big Deshaun Watson fan. Back when I was uh, a Chiefs fanboy, I was like, man, I don't want Patrick Mahomes. I want Deshaun Watson. Like, who's this guy that has a strong arm? I want this winner. Then, you know, obviously all the other stuff off the field, I don't even want to get into that. Just strictly right, right. on field when he got back, he's 24th in yards this year, 31st completion percentage, 30th yards per attempt, 30th in QBR, 30th in passer rating, fifth most sacks. I don't want to hear they have a bad offensive line. Cleveland's had a top 5-0 line for five, six years, even when they had Baker. Since he's come back, he's played eight games, completed 57% of his passes, nine touchdowns, seven picks, 29 sacks, quarterback rating of 76. Remember Trevor Simeon? who played for the Broncos yeah. in 2017, he had a rating of 73.3. He threw 12 touchdowns to 14 picks. He completed 59% of his passes. Deshaun Watson has been 2017 Trevor Simeon since he's got back. And like, yes, it's eight games. I do think that he deserves a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. He gets like one more month, maybe like if on November 1st, he still sucks, then it's time to completely write an obituary for that. But like you said, man, the offensive line's great. Nick Chubb, obviously, when healthy, is great. They have two good wide receivers. And Joku's a good tight end. They have Miles Garrett. They have Denzel Ward. They have uh, Newsom at cornerback. They have Joke at linebacker. Like, this team is really good. This should have been a playoff team. A lot of people picked them to either win the North or win 9-10 games. And... You can't win playoff games. You might not even be able to get to the playoffs if your quarterback is this bad. Yeah, and it it's it's crazy to see. And like you said, it's eight games. But like, if we were to judge a quarterback through eight games, that's basically the halfway point through the season. Yeah, halfway through the season, you start to know what teams are. Like by week eight, week nine, we kind of know. Okay, this team is for real. This team is not as good as we thought. You know, this team could be looking for a quarterback. You know. At, 
come uh, the off season. Like we start to be able to have real fair evaluations. And so I know it's six games last year and then two games into this year. So it's kind of like, okay, well, there was a complete off season, but the decline of Deshaun Watson since leaving Houston yeah. has been like, you wouldn't have foresaw it. Like we thought, okay, when he went to Cleveland, they had all the pieces in place. They clearly upgraded at quarterback. Deshaun Watson is worlds better than Baker Mayfield. Like you didn't want to flat out say, we still got to see it. So, but like, you're like, they have a Super Bowl type roster. It's just, they're kind of stuck in the AFC. So you're like, if they were in the NFC coming into this season, you'd be like, the Browns could go to the Super Bowl. Like there's a couple yeah. of teams maybe ahead of them, but AFC is a little bit different. Cause I mean, what? 10 of the top 15 quarterbacks are in the AFC. You're talking about top 10 quarterbacks might not make the playoffs coming out of the AFC. So we knew how tough it was going to be, but this is a team that should be one of the better teams in the league. And instead they're struggling. They're, they get murdered by Pitt. I mean, Pittsburgh defense looked like, you know, the, the Pittsburgh defense of the early mid two thousands. Like yeah. they looked right back there. Minka Fitzpatrick looked amazing. TJ Watt looked amazing. Like they're getting after the quarterback, but this was right after having a dud against San Francisco and the hype around Cleveland was they could have their first two and zero start in 30 years. Everybody kind of expected it. They wore the all white jerseys for like a special occasion to celebrate as a Browns fan that we started two and zero. that's how bad their franchise has been for so long. <laughs> But I, I'm just really concerned because you're screwed. Like, yeah. if you find out after this year that Deshaun Watson really just is no good anymore in this Deshaun Watson post everything that happened, post leaving Houston, uh, just post leaving Houston is worse than Baker Mayfield, then you literally will talk about this was one of the worst trades, if not the worst trade slash contracts ever in sports history like it might not just go down in nfl history this might be the worst contract in sports history and i hate to kill deshaun watson like that because we know he has the talent but if he mm -hmm. can't ever put it together and he's just a shell of himself at this point at this early like he him and mahomes are what the same age they came in yeah. the same year so it's like they're the same age we're talking about mahomes got another 10 years of his prime and we're talking about deshaun watson could be like the worst contract ever at the same age and same stage in their season. So is it, is it just, we need to let him get it together. Like, cause it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. I think he's got a month. Like, like I said, he just turned 28 less than a week ago. So he's exactly the same age as Patrick Mahomes. Like they came into the league at the same time. Like they're at the same stage athletically. You don't lose it that quickly. And like the, the most alarming thing, really two of them, one, there haven't been, real flashes like there hasn't been one game or two games or even three or four drives in a row where you're like okay that's Deshaun Watson like I remember that dude being a top five top ten quarterback in Houston he has just looked bad the entire time like has not looked good and next year dude the cap hit or sorry the dead cap is 200 million to cut him the year after that it's 136 the year after that it's 72 like they're not getting out of this for at least a couple more years he has a fully guaranteed deal they have to live with it. And they gave up multiple picks for him. He deserves the, as a football player, as an age 28 football player, as a quarterback, he does deserve time to figure it out. But like, if I was a betting man, I would not be putting any money on him ever being a top 10 quarterback again. I just would not do it. Yeah. And it's just so crazy because this dude was so good. When we're talking about it was him, DeAndre Hopkins and nobody else over there in Houston. And he was putting up 4,500 yards, 30 yeah. touchdowns, and he looked like, man, if he was playing with anybody else 
like any other team. We're like, there's teams who are a quarterback away that could win a Super Bowl. And we felt like that about Cleveland. And so when he went, I see why now NFL owners are mad about that deal, though, because they signed that deal. And then it messed up for a second. It looked like it was going to mess up negotiations for pretty much every quarterback. And that was what we foresaw. Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, like the future of quarterbacks was messed up because Cleveland decided to give a fully guaranteed deal. And to a guy who hasn't played in such a long time, why wouldn't a Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and Lamar, why wouldn't they come to the table and say, this is my starting point? A Joe Burrow who's played in a Super Bowl and multiple AFC championships, but they've obviously, they've given them the money, but they've been able to lower that guarantee where we're not giving fully guaranteed deals. So they were able to balance it out. And so Mm -hmm. no harm, no foul. Now you just get to look and be like, ha, that's why we were pissed off, but we were able to balance it out. Our guys gave us some leeway here. So I do want to talk about which 0-2 team is in most trouble. So in your opinion, there's a lot of teams that are 0-2 that I wouldn't expect. And there's, yeah. there's what, like, I think it's what, like eight, team, eight or nine teams that are 0-2. Like mm-hmm. even when doing my power rankings, I'm like, okay, a couple teams I expected to be here sitting here, but like the Chargers, I didn't expect to be 0-2. Like uh, the Bengals, I didn't expect to be 0-2. So which, in your opinion, 0-2 team is in the most trouble? So there's four, the the Cardinals, Panthers, Bears, and Texans. Like, A, I don't think anyone really expected them to do anything. And B, like, I guess the Bears had the brightest present of those. And, like, they're it's kind of just – yeah. Exactly. So, like, they're not really in trouble, trouble. The Bengals have the Rams, Titans, Cardinals, and Seahawks coming up. Like, if they're going to go on a run, this would be the time. I'm not hitting the panic button on them yet. So that leaves four. It's the Broncos – the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Patriots. It's tough, man, because, like, Russell Wilson's actually been pretty decent so far. Like, he looks objectively better, but the defense has been terrible. The thing is, though, on paper, that defense should be great. So, like, they should theoretically be better. I think it's one of the Chargers and the Vikings, man. Like, the Vikings, I thought would be just as good this year and a lot of people thought they'd regress but still i was like okay they'll go nine and eight or ten and seven and make the playoffs the chargers also they're already doing the thing they do every year several months early where they like wet the bed late in games and they make stupid mistakes like they're already doing that and that's without the injury luck hitting and now austin eckler's hurt so i think it might be the chargers like this is a team that went what 10 and 7 i think last year maybe 11 and 6 and made the playoffs yeah, and choked They're looking kind of scary. Playoffs. Yeah. It's one of those two. Like, I think it's one of those. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm more, I, I say Denver. And the reason, it's not like we expected Denver. I thought they could sneak into the playoffs because yeah. I thought their defense would be pretty good. I thought Russell Wilson would be better. And they have a better head coach with Sean Payton. So, They'd be the team where, like, if you're looking at solely based on quarterback, you're like, they're probably the eighth or ninth best team, probably 10th best team. When you talk about solely quarterback, but with Sean Payton, I just expected everything to look smoother. I did not expect the defense to look as bad, but yeah. you already, Sean Payton going into the season has said some things about Russell Wilson that he's already not feeling Russell Wilson like that. And I want you to, you need to be Drew Brees where it's nothing but football. I don't care. I don't, I don't want my quarterback to be a celebrity. Like you're going to be great. And when you're great, that comes with the cameras and the lights, but Drew Brees wasn't a celebrity. We didn't really know him for much outside of being a great quarterback. He wasn't all, he didn't have a celebrity wife, right? He's not dating Sierra, so he's not in the Hollywood scene where that Russell Wilson is. He's out here making commercials and 
doing corny stuff on TikTok and all that. And like, that's more what he's getting light for, especially coming off of a bad season. And so I think they're more in a tough spot because Sean Payton's not, he's already showing he don't really want to rock with Russell Wilson. The thing is, it's that Deshaun Watson type where you're kind of stuck to his contract. If he doesn't work out in Denver, who's really going to trade for Russell Wilson? And if they do, the pack, you're not going to get a trade package. Like the, what you gave up for Russ, you're not getting that back in return. Um, so I think you're you're in a rough spot because let's say you turn out to be absolutely bad and you're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. The problem is if you're not the worst team in football, you don't get him or a Drake mate and you don't have enough draft capital to trade up. You don't have mm-hmm. enough capital to convince a team. Let me trade up from three to two and get a Drake mate. Now, granted, in this draft, I think there's actually a few ballers where it, it's a little bit deeper than C-Dub and Drake May. But if I'm Sean Payton and I want to go out swinging, I want the best prospect that I can get yeah. or the best possibility to win. And usually you want to tie – when you draft a new quarterback, you buy yourself at least two years because you get to tie the, the future success of you and your quarterback together. And I think Sean Payton would have rather taken a job where he doesn't have to tie himself to a guy like Russell Wilson coming off a terrible season and knowing he has to flip some things around. I'm also with you on the Vikings because I think the Vikings are a few weeks away from possibly trading Kirk Cousins. Like, and I said this the other day and it's, it's not that, Oh, I said it, they took it from me. And then but this morning I'm watching get up and what gets brought up is could Kirk Cousins get traded to like, should the Jets be trying to trade for Kirk Cousins? I said that on Monday, like I woke up Monday and was like, that's who the Jets should try and get. I get it. You you don't want to press the panic button if you're the Vikings at 0-2, especially because your division leader is 1-1. You're only a game behind being the division leader right now, so there's no reason to panic. Nobody's 2-0 and and looks looks absolutely amazing and not reachable, but at the same time, like the Jets could use him. He's a free mm-hmm. agent after this year. They haven't signed him to a contract extension, and there almost seems like there's no urgency or interest to do so from both sides. Like You haven't heard about – in. Kirk Cousins has done enough to me to where either you're going to keep him or you're going to let him go. I don't use this year as a prove it year. You kind of know what he is. He's good enough. You can win a lot of games, maybe not win a Super Bowl, but if all things fall into place, Jimmy Garoppolo went to a Super Bowl. So like if all things fall into place, Kirk Cousins is good enough. If everything falls the right way, they went to NFC championship with Case Keenum at quarterback. So I think Kirk Cousins is better than both of those quarterbacks. So why would I think if if Jimmy G could do it over there in San Francisco, if Case Keenum could do it here with with us as Minnesota Vikings, how come Kirk Cousins can't do it? Why not give him? But I just don't think this year was like a prove it year. It was more of like if we don't reach the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship, you're gone and there's not really no other conversation. And he's Mm -hmm. done enough and earned. We know what he is as far as I don't think you're like you have a 33, 34-year-old quarterback on a prove it deal. When you when he's been your franchise quarterback the past few years. So I think they could look to trade Kirk Cousins. I think if the Jets are sitting through six weeks and they're like three and three and it's not all the way out, which it might seem possible that they could be like, hey, you know what? We get to get Kirk Cousins. We're not strapped to him after this year. So when Aaron Rodgers comes back, we don't have to worry about trading him and getting up off that contract. He's a free agent, which will fall right into place of us getting our quarterback back. I think Kirk Cousins really could be a guy that the Jets have interest, but you play it out, you let Zach Wilson, and maybe if you sit there at three and three and you know like we have everything in place except the quarterback and Kirk Cousins is possibly available or we can at least make that call, I think that's a possibility. And that's why I think I do agree with you. The Vikings could be in real trouble because if it start going downhill, 
Like now you got a quarterback that you traded. You're going to have an unhappy receiver that basically you're in contract extension talks for a mega deal. He's going to want everything. He said my play speaks for itself. It's really up to them. I see Justin Jefferson getting franchise tagged. And there comes a point in time where I trade Kirk Cousins and, and jump into Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Like I think they could mm-hmm. find themselves in the next couple of weeks where, you know what? We'll let the Jets get Kirk Cousins. We'll stink. We'll, we'll let, and then we'll sign Justin Jefferson and we'll draft Caleb Williams and kind of maybe figure out a possibility of having a new head coach. So I think those are, I agree with you. Those are the two teams, the chargers too, though. I do want to talk about chargers a little bit because they're Owen two. But the thing is, I'm glad the rest of the world gets to see what guys like me was complaining about in Dallas. The past couple of years, we've had the best offense statistically, but in mo- it's been the play calling in moments where you need to be conservative in moments when you're up 17 points on the Jaguars and you're still trying to scrape them down the field and let's throw deep balls to CeeDee Lamb instead of running the ball, run some clock, create some long drives. You're seeing that with Justin Herbert, and it's not Herbert making the play calls, it's Kellen Moore. And so yeah. you're seeing that as a problem. The thing is, if they stink this year, where do they go? Like, they obviously fired a coach, right? Like, Brandon yeah. Staley's probably on the hot seat and gone. But, like, are you looking to promote Kellen Moore when he's possibly the problem? Are you looking elsewhere? And it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of promising because you you fumbled. You could have fired Brandon Staley this offseason after making the playoffs and, and choking away a game and everybody would have understood and you could have went and got Sean Payton. Like, now I think you screwed the best way of getting Justin Herbert the best coach for him for the next four to five years by passing on firing Brandon Staley, giving him one more year. So I think that's going to bite them in the butt. Also, just to throw this team a bone, man, the Patriots could be down bad, like worse than they are. Like, if this thing doesn't work this year and they don't at least make the playoffs or something, Bill Belichick could leave or just flat out retire. I think he would leave and find something else to do. Like, I don't know if he's long for this team anyway, and Mac Jones be done. Like, I've been – his rookie year, I was like, okay, I believe in Mac Jones. I think he could be a decent quarterback. He could be like a Derek Carr, like a top 15, not necessarily top 10. Then last year, it was a train wreck. Everything sucked. This year, he's been better, but, like, still, the offense needs more. They need more playmakers. They need better quarterback play. The defense is fantastic. Like, the defense can carry them to seven wins and still be a competitive team or whatever. They've got the Jets coming up. The Cowboys coming up, the Saints and Raiders. You split that, you're still at two and four. You win one more, you're three and three. Like they're a team that, if you look at it by the way of if things go south, could they hit the blow up button? The Vikings could technically do that. I think the coach still sticks around, though. Denver, one of the coach quarterbacks sticks around. The Bengals, both of them probably stick around. The Chargers, you fire your head coach. Patriots could do a lot of stuff. They could completely change the the timeline of the franchise. Like, I don't think they're in the most trouble, but, like, if they get in the most trouble, then things could go south pretty quick. Yeah, and you could be finding – you could be having to find yourself looking for a head coach and a quarterback, and that's never ideal. If there was a year to do it, it'd be this year. If you're, But yep. we're talking about if you're, like, the worst team in football. Because outside of, like, okay – I could I'll volunteer to tie myself with Caleb Williams over the next three to four years, and I will tie my my head coaching opportunity to that. I understand that. I know as talented as everybody else is, I'm not sold on tying my no. job to these new quarterbacks, whether it's Drake May or Spencer Rattler, or Michael Penix, like whether it's because of age or their flashes in the pan, and I know how good they can be, but they may never 
And then the North Cal, the stigma of North Carolina quarterbacks. Sure. Is, I mean, Sam Howell looks pretty good. So I will say before we close out, I said I didn't want to keep too much more of your time, but we talked about 0-2 teams. Who's the most surprising 2-0 team to you? Oh, man. I'm going to stall and look up NFL standings so I give you an answer. But, like, it would be if they got uh, Caleb Williams, if the Patriots, like, effectively tanked for him, it'd be like Pop extending his contract for Wemby, basically. And be like, I'll tie myself to this dude for a few years. But, like, really, you need more than that. So, okay, here we go. We've got Baltimore and Miami. All this talk about the AFC and how dominating it is. And we've got two 2-0 two teams. Neither one of those surprises me. Um, then we've got Dallas, San Fran. It's got to be Atlanta. They were competitive last year when I didn't think they would be. I thought they'd be bad this year. I was like, I'm not buying into them being a legitimate team. Um, I still really am not, but they. it's different. It's like that one meme where it's the the two dragons and then like the goofy one or like people like that where one's standing out. Um, it's Atlanta. And like, I, if you're a Falcons fan listening, I'm sorry, but I just don't believe in the team very much and you've got a Cowboys team that's really legit San Fran that is a Super Bowl contender the Dolphins and Ravens that are really good then you've got the Falcons so it's got to be them I didn't even think of them because I thought they were one and one <laughs> I had no clue they had won both of those games so far yeah they ended up pulling them out uh ended up pulling out really because I think the Packers more so folded yeah as opposed to going in you earn every victory, but sometimes sure. it's more of luck and the team folds. I would say my there's two. I'm surprised that the commanders are two and oh. Now I know they played oh, the, the commanders are. Yeah, and I know they played the Cardinals and the Broncos. They were mm -hmm. favored to beat the Cardinals. They struggled. So now we're like, okay, if you're I was higher on the commanders than a lot of people coming in. I think they were more at like 20. And a lot of people had them in that 24 to 26 range. I thought they were going to be a little bit better than that. I'm like, they they might can sneak into the playoffs with a losing record because the NFC looks like that's the possibility. But through two weeks, the NFC record-wise actually looks a lot better than the AFC, which is an absolute shock. You got three, uh, you got two divisions with three two and O teams. Um, so I think the Commanders and then the Bucks. And yeah. I said like. Before the season, I said the Bucs are not going to be as bad as everybody thinks because Baker's not as bad. I think he got a little bit of unfair criticism. I mean, but you're going to get that when you're the number one pick. But then you're in Cleveland and you had Odell Beckham, who that, that breakup kind of ended how you thought about Baker Mayfield. And you're like, oh, no, it's not an Odell problem. Baker sucks. This, that, and the other. He is a guy who got the Browns to the playoffs, got him a win for the first time in I don't know how many years. Um, that they were able to win a playoff game. So, like, for the Browns, he was semi-successful, but you value him. If he got picked at 27 instead of number one, yeah. You, yeah, you look at Baker completely different. But then when you feel like you stretch, like you reached for Baker Mayfield, taking him at number one, it blew up with when you got – when it looked promising having Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and it kind of blew up in your face and it was Blaine Baker and things weren't good enough. You had the good defense, kind of like the Deshaun Watson situation – but the, the expectation is higher when you're the number one pick. But if you look at Tampa and you're like, they were always a quarterback away. So they acquired Tom Brady and they still have the same weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They got a good running back in Rashad White. Uh, I like Sean Tucker as a running back too. Like he'll be, he'll be fine. He'll be able to be plug and play. Um, and then their defense is pretty good. They got some good young pieces. They got a good offensive line. Like you're looking at them and you're like, okay, if Baker could just be a good game manager, 
they can win a lot of games, especially because mm-hmm. you're talking about the Saints was the team to be projected by most to win the NFC South. But you're sitting here and you're like, we have everything in place. We downgraded at quarterback, but at the same time, like we got younger and we can, he's a little more mobile than Tom. Well, he's, he's more mobile than Tom Brady, but then that attitude that he has and just being able to prove it. And he looked decent for the Rams when he played, he had a decent game when he played for the Panthers. So it's like, I'm looking at Baker Mayfield and I'm like, if he could just not turn the ball over, this team's going to hold a lot of teams to under 20 because yeah. their defense is good enough to do that. And then this team can, Mike Evans is an easy guy to throw the ball to. Like he's a, if all else fails, throw it up to Mike Evans. And so a guy like Baker who you don't have full trust in, well, okay, throw it up to Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin who's getting healthier by the week, essentially. So I expect some big games from him, but I'm surprised they're still 2-0, and especially because, okay, they beat the Bears. That's fine. That was kind of expected, but beating the Vikings in week one was like a statement like, okay, we're already a little bit better than you thought. Nobody thought we were going to beat the Vikings. And then you turn around, you put some respect on them. I expect them to beat the Bears, and they do. And it was in close fashion against both teams, but being able to pull that out while saying, you know, Baker is playing pretty decent and he's playing good enough if he can manage games and knowing that if you don't believe in the Falcons, if you know the Panthers are bad and you don't believe in the Saints who are 2-0 and against two bad teams and basically, I mean, they beat the Titans by one and they beat the Panthers, you know, in a close game. And I don't really respect either of those teams as far as expectations this year. The Bucs very well could 10-7, and 11-6 and six and find their mm-hmm. way of winning a division, which I don't think a lot of people thought was possible going into this season. No, people overthought Tampa and were like, oh, they're going to go 3-14 and 14 without Brady. Like, th- they were always too good. The roster was too good. Like, one of us could play quarterback and they would have done 3-14. and 14. Baker Mayfield, infinitely better than us. Still, Baker's fine. Like, I think when he's healthy and when he's motivated and when he has good pieces around him, he can be a fine quarterback. We're about to find out, though, how good they are. Because they have Philly, they have the Saints, they have the Lions, they have the Falcons, they have the Bills. So if they find a way to, like, get three of those games i'll be like okay tampa's super legit as a potential playoff team if they don't they drop four of those i'll be like okay well maybe not either way though they're competitive and that's really all you could ask for for them especially without brady especially with one of the older rosters in the nfl but like they have good skill position players as long as they stay healthy and as long as baker's healthy i think they're appointment television like i'd watch the bucks every week if i didn't have you know stuff to do and a a job to watch a team i'd be like let's see what baker's cooking because like man he'll give you the ugliest pick six ever on one drive and then he'll come back and run someone over twice and throw it up to mike evans and come down the field and cuss you out i mean he he's a fun he's a fun watch man that's a good team yeah and and the thing about it is like they are older roster but they have enough young pieces which is why they the right spots yeah, sign Mike Evans to a contract extension because basically what they're trying to see is we got Devin White we're going to have to pay. We got Antoine Winfield Jr. We got Vita Vea. Then we got a couple guys on the offensive line, and we got Baker. And the thing about it is we're trying to see if, you know, before we cough up all this money, we want to make sure there's enough money available to Baker that we don't lose him in free agency if he has a good season. He's not going to get $40 million or $50 million. Like his contract extension is not going to look like that, but he probably gets that 30, 35. And so you don't want to cough up money where like, Hey, Baker led us to a nine and eight, 10 and seven season. We think, you know, with what we have and keeping Baker around for at least another two to three years that, you know, two years, $90 million, two years, 90 or two, not 90, 
three years. I was going to say, man, he's getting the upper echelon. (laughs) No, three years, $90 million. Put him somewhere like 30 a year. We're not strapping our roster for our quarterback. We're not overpaying. Like, if you're paying a quarterback at $30 million. Kind of like the Geno deal, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you're living pretty lovely. Like, okay, we still got money to move around. We're not tied to him for the next five years if he sucks. You know, we do a two-year, three-year deal. Hey, if you're not any good after this year, it, we could cut our losses and we're fine. So I think the Bucks are sitting at a pretty spot. The only problem is if Baker doesn't work out and they do turn into a bad team because they lose to all the good teams that they play, you're in that weird spot where you're too good to get an elite quarterback in the draft. Like you're not bad enough to get an elite quarterback, but you might be in a spot where you – who do you really get at that point? Like you're kind of in a start over spot with a lot of talent and you don't really want to have to start over. I just don't, unless I'm getting Caleb Williams, I just don't trust any of these rookie quarterbacks to, to come in and really change the trajectory of the franchise, at least in year one or year two. Like I think a lot of these guys are, they get their fair evaluation by like year four, year five, where I think like yeah. Caleb Williams, you put Caleb Williams on the bucks next year. Like they're probably favored in an NFC South with a rookie quarterback because of everything mm-hmm. they have. But that's also, why when you have that kind of roster, you probably your chances of getting Caleb Williams probably just went out the window starting two and oh. Like they're probably yeah. already out of the sweepstakes by going two and oh with so many teams oh and two trying to figure it out. So I'll close it out with that, bro. I appreciate you for your time. Um let everybody know where they can find you, follow you and, and check out some of your work. Yeah, man, it's uh, at footnoted, F-O-O-T-E, noted on literally everything. Um, if you still use Facebook, I think that's the the at too, but I don't know why you would do that. Um, but man, it was good to be back and it had been, like you said, two years. I thought it was at least one year. Um, we'll have to link up again soon, man. This is great. Yeah. 100% bro. As I mean, bro, anytime getting guys like you on is it's always like, it's my honor. It's an honor to have you guys on the show, especially somebody who can give some insight on team specific. Like, sure. There's a lot of guys like me who just, we talk sports in general, but it's, it's hard to find, especially during football season. It's hard to catch y'all and get where y'all got some free time. Like, you know, I would sit down and talk about my team a little bit and get the insight because you see them every day. You you cover them day in and day out. And you also know what the fan base is like living out there as well. So I do appreciate you. As always, y'all can follow me at anywhere you get your podcast at Mo underscore Cheese 15 on Twitter. I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I appreciate everybody for listening. And up at Flames is